Hey. Come on, come on. It is Thursday, July 28, 2022. This is your host, Carlos Andrigo with the Guzman Cabello, and I got one question. Y'all ready for this? Come on, come on. What is good, Human Hope Familia? Welcome to another episode of Human Hope with your host, Carlos Enrique with the Guzman Cabello, or Los for short. And I, um, well, this is weird because first and foremost, I did not record this audio last night, which is normally what I do, right? Normally I get up on here on the ones and the zeros and I record my intro the night before just so that we can be up to date at the precipice of culture. Is precipice of culture actually a thing? I don't know, but just, just so that, you know, I like to record these intros and outros the night before in case something happens on planet earth that I, um, am able to speak into. Um, but today's a little different because I'm not recording this on Wednesday evening, July 27th for the show that comes out Thursday, July 28th. No, this was recorded a little bit ago. Why is that? Well, if you are just a listener of the Human Hope Podcast and not a member of the Insta Familia, you may not know, but I am currently on, I mean, well, some people would call it a sabbatical. I'm like on a complete and total break from consuming any sort of content off of my devices. I don't, I could keep adding on it. I'm just like, I'm going to break, like my brain needed a break. And, um, but I also know that, um, this podcast has to keep going, um, and needs to keep going. And so I recorded these episodes before I left. And so this is Carlos from the past talking to you of the present about things in the future. (laughs) Um, but over on Instagram, I'm not there. Like I'm not checking my phone. I'm not checking my texts. I'm not checking my emails. I needed a break because I've got a lot of big stuff coming up in the next few months. And I want to be, um, as healthy as I possibly can. I have never, ever done this. Like I'm never taking a break. And I mean, I guess I can tell you now because I'm, you know, you don't know it currently as I'm recording this. Nobody does. But you, everybody knows now as I'm releasing it, um, this was a hard decision for me. This was a hard decision for me to not consume and not create. And, you know, as, as much as I want to say, oh, no, like Instagram, it's just my job, like social media, like being a, an author and a speaker and a content creator and all the things, podcaster, like this is my job. It's not my identity. But then when I start thinking like, oh, well, I mean, what would happen if you stopped? Godlitos. Huh? Why don't you answer that? And well, I guess currently I'm finding out. So um, if you see smoke signals coming from the West um, with the SOS, this is Carlos Enrique. If you can read smoke signals and that's what it says, come rescue me. Um, but besides that, I'm, t- I'm just taking a little break. I don't know how long it's going to be um, from the socials and the news and all of the things. Uh, but I know that I have a project coming out in January that needs uh, literally the whole, um, the ethos behind the whole project is being as healthy as a human as I possibly can. So I want to get there. I want to be there for that. And so for the next few weeks, who knows, I don't know how long it's going to last, but for the next few weeks, at least that's how many podcasts I have pre-recorded. Um, I'm going to be putting out some 
um, conversations with a few friends of mine um, that I think you're really going to enjoy uh, while I don't even know if you're listening to this or not, because I'm not on my phone. And um, I would say, you know, tag me in your posts, but I wouldn't, I won't see them if you share them. So, um, but what I want to do on this episode is I want to lean into, oh my gosh, I want to lean into one of my friends that um, has literally changed my life. Um, Not only my life, but the life of my um, family, my wife, my kids, my son specifically. Now, when I say my son specifically, um, he is actually one of the therapists at a um, counseling center called Daystar. And David is, he's, he's just one of the wisest men I know, but also really great at all things boys like all things boys. Um, And so just a little bit about David is that, you know, he is the director. Okay. I want to make sure that I, well, actually he's going to introduce himself. So maybe I'll get this wrong, but he's the director of the family counseling program at Daystar. And I've talked about Daystar before on here. I've had Sissy, you guys remember Sissy. I've had Sissy Thomas, not Sissy Thomas, um, Sissy on here. And Sissy's talked about girls and anxiety and all the issues that we're dealing with and school shootings. We've had Sissy. We haven't had David on here yet. And David um, has written a whole bunch of incredible books, but the book that I want him to lean into is called Raising Emotionally Strong Boys. Okay. Literally, that's the name of the book, Raising Emotionally Strong Boys. And if there's ever been something that I think is a absolute need for us to do is is to redefine what it means to raise emotionally strong boys. You know, he could have titled it raise small uh, raising strong boys, but no, he decided to title it raising emotionally strong boys. Why? Well, he's going to he's going to tell you. Um so, uh I'm going to stop with the chit chat and get straight into the conversation. I am super excited. Um, You are going to want to take lots of notes and you're actually going to want to end up picking up a copy of his Raising Emotionally Strong Boys when this is over because whether you have boys or not, what you pour into the youths around you, um, you can take directly from this conversation. So here is my conversation with my dear friend, David Thomas. All right, Human Hope Familia, I am sitting at my kitchen table currently uh, with my friend David, who got attacked by my two horse elephant dogs when he walked in. Are you okay from that that initial... Uh, I'm 100% okay. I, okay. I even feel more at home, the fact that, that I'm recording with them here. Yeah. They, well, they, we would nor- I would normally make them go outside or something else, but we know you love dogs. Yes. You you are a dog... Do, do you have dogs? If they or? were outside, I'd be asking you, you, can they come in? Okay. And all, one of them was also wet, which just shows how much of a friend you are that I would let my wet dog love it. come and rub against your leg. I both so. own a dog and I work... You know, six of my colleagues are canines. Oh, you're right. So this makes me feel all the more at home. <laughs> I forgot. This is like, this is my own, this is your version of the the cute little yellow house uh, that you work in. So uh, David, so why don't you go ahead and speaking of work, uh, let the Human Hope family know uh, just a little bit about you, what you do, where you work, uh, and maybe about a few of your canine coworkers. Mm-hmm. I would love to. And, and I'm going to first say, 
I'm so excited to be in this space, not just because there's dogs, but because I love you and your wife and oh. it's a gift to be in your company anytime. So thank you for letting me be here. You're welcome. So Thanks glad. I am, my official title is Director of Family Counseling at the place you mentioned called Daystar Counseling yeah. here in Nashville, where I've been for the last 25 years. What? Yes. feels <laughs> impossible. I started when I was six. So yeah, I was a okay. young lad at yeah, the time and work with this incredible team of human beings that yeah. I can't believe I really get to work with. That's um, awesome. Amazing people and six amazing dogs. And so, so there's dogs at Daystar. There are. We do the work a little different and that we're in a house rather than an office. And that was a very intentional decision okay. because if you've ever taken a kid you love to counseling, or if you've gone yourself, anybody yeah. listening, you know, it can be an overwhelming experience. And Absolutely. so we do as much as we can to try to make it disarming. Thus the dogs in the house. Yeah. And it's an incredible space. And so I have had the great privilege of working with kids and families for the last tw 25 years. And then wow. I have three kids of my own. Okay. I'm a proud son, husband, and father of three kids. Yeah. So I'm around a lot of kids wow. and dogs a lot of the time. So <laughs> that great people, great dogs. This just feels right at home. No, I love it. T tell me about this. I wasn't even, I, first of all, people that listen to my podcast know that I have zero questions ever prepared. These are just, I, mean, I just flow. They, these are love just support so poor people show up to my podcast. What are the seven questions you're asking me? I'm like, I don't know. Uh, they'll, they'll pop up in my head. And here's one that popped up in my head while you were just saying that, uh, that I think maybe some parents that are listening to this, um, may feel sometimes, right? So as I hear you, you talking, you're the director of family counseling. Is that what it is? That's okay. It. So, um, but you've got three of your own kids, you've got your own family. And sometimes I, I run into the space in my head and my heart where I kind of feel like a fraud. Like, like I'm a, like in my parenting, I'm like a lot of people come to me for parenting advice. A lot of people come to me, uh, maybe listeners are listening to this and they're like, yeah, like I got friends that come to me all the time and ask me, cause you know, they see my kids on the outside and they're like, your kids are so great. And they're this and that. But like, I know what happens behind the doors and how difficult it is. How is a parent and you can just kind of maybe speak into your, your, your idea of this, but how can we, um, not, or how can we fight against that fraud sometimes that maybe, um, can come up? Cause I know it comes up for me. I know I've got great kids, but I also know that I've jacked them up in many ways, which is why we send them to Daystar. And so like, like how can we get over that? Does this make sense? This question it I'm asking does. the, the, the fraud we may feel as parents with other parents that are around us. Mm. Great question. And I will first testify that you have three amazing kids. Oh, I'm so thankful okay. to know as humans. And I would say I might even go the opposite direction okay. and would challenge anybody to lean into that. Wow. Like I think the yeah. more we're pushing against that or trying to avoid that, yeah. I think it's going to posture me and potentially set my kids up in ways I just don't want. Yeah. Wow. As opposed to leaning into that and, and saying, you know what? I'm going to fail you. Yes. You're going to fumble the ball as yeah. have I, like yeah. it's just the reality of being human that creates a lot of what I hope could be space and permission for yeah. us as parents and for our kids too. And yeah. you know, Carlos, I laugh and I can remember the first time I knew in my head, there would be a moment where my kids would start to make connections about what I do and <laughs> that reality <laughs> and wondered awesome. how long it might take for them to comment on that or push against oh, it. So I funny. can remember when my daughter was in, sixth grade and uh -huh. I sat her down and we were having this conversation and she <laughs> she looked at me and she's like are you counseling me right now like are you using that stuff on me 
awesome. I was like, I'm not using anything on you right now. Oh, like, yeah. I just want to have a conversation. But it was like her first real moment of connecting the yeah. dots around. You might be using some of that <laughs> stuff on me right now. I love that. I so love that. I have had to say to all three of my kids multiple times, mm. like, just because of what I do yeah. does not mean I'm not going to fumble the ball all throughout this process. Mm. Like I'm going to react yeah. more than I'm going to respond. I'm going to operate out of fear in moments when I want to just operate out of love. Like there are going to yeah. be so many moments and I'm going to ask for your forgiveness. And wow. you are going to think to yourself some version of, I cannot believe that guy writes books on parenting. <laughs> Someone should stop this right now. I love it. So, well, to come from that place though, and just, I mean, I mean, right. That, that statement is like, it's so refreshing to know that you are a parent that does write books on parenting. That is the first to say, Oh, you know, but I fumbled the ball and I react instead of respond. And I do do all those things. And there is just something so authentic about that, that people I think um, are attracted to. I know that that's what very attractive to me as a dad to know that my son has sat in your office and my son has shared the, um, the heightened emotional things in his life with you. And, you know, to know that, I, th- I think I hear you and I, and I just think again of my listeners that are like, when people come to you, it is okay to, to give them counsel. It is okay. Just because you may have messed up the night before with your own kids doesn't mean that you don't know better and yes. that you can't fix it the next time, Absolutely. you know, you're with your you're kids. You're not disqualified. Yeah. I think too, my great hope is that that has informed everything I write and everything I do in my office. And yeah. when I teach that I, I always want parents to feel like I'm coming from this place of I'm in this with you. Yeah. I'm in this with you. I'm figuring out this alongside you. So yeah. I very much want that to be the tone of my writing uh-huh. and the posture when I teach with parents, because I just think every one of us feels more of a sense of yeah. so much more when you're with somebody who's operating from that place. Yeah, That's good. Um, so you, you actually have a podcast that you've had for years um, and you have been um, co-hosting that with Sissy. I have. And so tell us a little bit about that podcast and maybe what, what they could, uh, some of my listeners could listen to if they go to it. We are heading into season five of wow. the Raising Boys and Girls podcast and super excited about this next season because we're going to focus in on Sissy's book, Raising Worry-Free Girls, which okay. is what I think one of the best books out there on kids yeah. and anxiety and, and my new book, Raising Emotionally Strong Boys. And we're going to do what we've been doing all along, which is we're going to have conversations with some experts around yeah. some ideas, conversations with parents who are in the trenches. And then the two of us are going to have conversations about what we see in our offices, which is something I think unique that we've loved bringing to that space of yeah. just having a conversation about what we're learning, sitting with kids and adolescents every day yes. in our work and hopefully bringing that content, those ideas, that yeah. learning to to parents in ways that feels helpful. So I've loved doing that podcast. And there's four seasons of it. There's four seasons already. I mean, I'll, I'll go ahead and do a little plug. Heather and I were on one of the episodes. I was just going to say, we had some <laughs> amazing guests, the Whitakers. <laughs> the Whitakers. We were together and, you know, we fumbled our way through it just like we, you know, we show on Instagram, but we, um, I'm just so grateful for that. I've, I've referred so many people to just different episodes that you guys have done interviews. Yeah. And I do love the fact that you guys are, are both working, you know, you're not just talking about it. Um, there, this is like, this is like data driven. Like you're, you're seeing on a daily basis, the needs, um, of kids, uh, every day. 
And that's one of the things I, w- I want to talk with you about, about your new book, Raising Emotionally Strong Boys. Um, okay, so let, let me just start with this. I love that this title is Raising Emotionally Strong Boys. You could have titled the book, and a lot of people would have bought it, Raising Strong Boys. Yeah. You, you, you there's, there's people that are like, oh yeah, of course, that's what I need to do. Raise strong boys. Um, talk to me about why that middle word is so important and why that is the subject of this book. Mm-hmm. Can I tell a quick story? Absolutely. That I hope explains some of that. I was Carlos years ago at a funeral for a man in the town where I grew up who oh. was the father of one of my really good friends. And I remember sitting in the service at our church and his grandchildren came before the service closed to stand around his casket. And as one of them was speaking, and I remember looking at his six-year-old grandson and next to him was his 14-year-old grandson. And Mm. as the service was closing, his six-year-old grandson put his hand on his grandfather's casket and just started sobbing, just kept saying out loud, like, I'm going to miss you. I miss you so much. And it was something I can still remember today, years later, like what it felt like to be in that space with that little boy grieving openly. And his 14-year-old cousin who was standing there, had his arms crossed, was doing everything in his power not to cry. Like his lip was shaking Mm -hmm. and he was working so hard not to show any emotion. And as we left the service, people who know I work with kids and boys in particular said to me, I bet you feel really worried about that little six-year-old boy, don't you? Wow. And I remember saying, oh, I don't feel worried about him at all. Uh Like he's reminding every one of us what we should be doing in the company of grief with someone we love, you know, showing evidence of that. And as I got closer to the family, I heard people saying to the 14-year-old boy, you're being so strong for your family right now. Like they were praising him for not showing any emotion and celebrating that. And I... I remember feeling burdened for that young man thinking he's being affirmed for not feeling, trying not to feel. And that's a message I think we send to boys all the time that I want to push against. And I went straight up to that little six-year-old guy and I just said, thank you Mm. for reminding every one of us what it looks like to miss someone that we love. Like, thank you for reminding me of that today. I loved your grandfather so much. He was a great man. Of course, you're going to miss him. And I think back on that experience. And I think about all the examples I've seen of that. And that I think for you and I as adult men, like most men I know, most fathers I know would say, I lived with those messages my whole life. Absolutely. Sat with a dad a couple of weeks ago and he was like, you know, I have vivid memories of growing up being told, don't feel and don't ask for help. Wow. From every man around me. And I absorbed those messages and it has hindered me greatly in my marriage and parenting. So I want to push against those messages. Mm -hmm. I want to think strategically, intentionally, critically about the things we communicate to boys in this world and redefine what it means to be strong. Wow. (laughs) Oh man. Okay. Thousands of directions here. So pushing back against, um, against removing the word emotionally from what this book book's title is pushing back against, no, you, you gotta be strong. You've got to, um, not show emotion. You have to, um, you know, and, and obviously when people say things like this, they're, they're, they're coming at it from a place of trying to be helpful. Sure. Right? So, so, um, again, so as people are listening to this, just, just know that, um, if, if this is something that you've said, it's something that I've definitely said, this is more about learning and continuing to grow 
past that place because yes, yes there, there are going to be moments in life where guess what? I'm, I'm going to have to, if something traumatic happens, I I've got to buckle down for a moment mm-hmm. and get through the trauma. Yes. Right. Um, hundred percent, but that doesn't mean that that's where you stay. Yes. <laughs> and so talk to us, uh, push back even a little bit more, push back a little bit more against um, some of us that maybe have been raised that way. And it's going to be really hard for us, David, to get past that in our own heads. Like, well, I don't know, like my mom and my grandpa, mm-hmm. like they really, they really told me that this is what a man is supposed to be. Yeah. A man is supposed to be strong. A man is supposed to be firm. Um, why is that a dangerous space to exist in? Yeah. I think it is an explanation for why we as males lead some of the scariest statistics that are out there. Mm. You know, infidelity, internet pornography, addiction, suicide, some of the scariest stats that exist, men lead, which I think is evidence of where that message is getting through. In fact, Carlos, when I did the research for the book, one of the scariest statistics I came across is that currently, globally, on average, One man dies by suicide every minute of every day. Wow. No way. Yeah. I could barely type that. I mean, I could barely say it still. Like it just overwhelms me to think about that reality for our gender. And that I think all of that, you know, if I were to think about all those things I just listed, the common denominator in all that space is that it's men working to try and not feel, to numb out, to shut down, to stop feeling in some way. And so- I would say in the book, I talk about the three centers of intelligence that a lot of people talk about with the Enneagram, even okay. of thinking, feeling, and doing. And that to your great point, we always want to be kind of targeting, involving all three. Yeah. Like I want to be thinking and feeling and doing, but there's some people in this world who do a lot of doing without a lot of feeling. Yep. Or yep. some people who don't involve enough thinking and they're yeah. just reacting. And so what does it look like to bring those things more in balance? And that there absolutely are going to be times where my doing is going to lead. Uh-huh. But if I never go back to the feeling yeah. and the thinking, I could do some real damage to myself. Yeah. And in in the book, I talk about teaching boys to pay attention to what they feel and and thinking about like the dashboard in a car. Like, you know, uh-huh. how our dashboards will cue us. Like if the yeah. tire is low, we need to stop and get air. Or yeah. If the oil needs to be changed. And if we ignore those indicator lights, mm-hmm. like, we will do some real damage to the vehicle. Yes. And absolutely. the same is true for our body. You know, like if I don't pay attention to the signs and signals, God has designed to go off in me when Uh I'm feeling different things. And what I need to do to attend to that, I can do some real damage to myself. Yeah. Wow. Which is why I think a lot of men lead those scary stats out there and don't pay enough attention. Gosh. And so as, as parents, what are, what are some of those dashboard lights that we can see in our boys? Um, Maybe that, that can help us with like, oh my gosh, you know, maybe we need, um, maybe, maybe we need to work on this. Maybe we need to work on this because, you know, not, not every eight year old boy is going to have uh, a day star or a David or somebody that it's, I mean, this is going to be a lot of parents only resource. And so what are some of those dashboard lights that we can be looking at to make sure, oh my gosh, my, my, my son need, we need to, we need to lift his emotions back up into this, um, as opposed to watching him numb out. Yeah. I would say in addition to kind of breaking down those messages, like even the classic message of man up, like let's think about that. Like if we really dissect that and break that down somewhere in that phrase is often the messaging of stop feeling, start doing. Yeah. Yeah. And again, 
starting with doing may not be a bad thing as long right. as I go back to the feelings. <laughs> so let's dissect all the messages that come at boys. Uh-huh. I would say secondly, somewhere around nine to 10, a boy's brain will begin to instinctively channel all primary emotions like fear, sadness, confusion, disappointment into anger. Mm, wow. And I think culturally, we in a lot of different ways say it's okay for boys to be angry. It's yeah. not okay for boys to be sad or right. scared. And so I think we're going to have to be pushing against that biological process that's at play and uh-huh. then pushing against these cultural messages. Those are two things I really want to encourage parents to think about doing all throughout a boy's growing up. Yeah, that's good. So that we're going beneath the anger to figure out what else is there. Yeah. yeah. Because there's always something else there. Absolutely. What, one of the things I love is, is that the book actually, I mean, there's this strong and smart guide for it, This is actually for the boys, right? It is. It so, is. So it's like, Hey, you got the book for the parents. And you got, tell us a little bit about this. Tell us a little bit about the boy's guide to building healthy emotions. You know, I wanted to make this content as practical as possible because there again, as a parent, I've been to classes, I've yeah. read books and I know what it feels like to like think, oh gosh, I agree with that. Like, yeah. yes, yeah. every bit of that. Now, what do I do with that? Right. And so every chapter of raising emotionally strong boys ends with five intentional practices, like ways that you can put feet to the content. And then yeah. the workbook is a boy's version of all the content and figuring out what does it look like to test drive these ideas. And so it is full of experiments because I've worked with boys long enough to know that no boy is going to want to spend a lot of time with a workbook, just reading and writing. And so it's a lot of like experiential things to do with him, but hopefully helping put feet to this content Uh in ways that make sense. Yeah. This show today is partnering with BetterHelp. You guys know I love BetterHelp. And listen, I don't even have to say anything about BetterHelp. Why? Well, because you've been hearing from a therapist themselves. Like I've got a therapist on the show today. So if there's ever been an, like a better chance to say, you know what? David's telling me how important therapy is for my kids. Maybe I can get some therapy and I can't think of a better place for us to do it than that is better help. Listen, you know, it's, it's so important that we take care of our minds and our souls as well as our bodies. That's why better help online therapy is the way to go. I have loved better help Why? Because I can do it on my phone. I can text my therapist. All of those great ways to contact my therapist is there. And then I can also have a video therapy session like you normally would. But I don't have to worry about going into, especially the Nashville, Tennessee, walking into a waiting room and seeing somebody I know because I don't want them to be embarrassed. I sure as heck ain't embarrassed. Everybody can know that I am in some therapy. BetterHelp is online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat only therapy sessions. Again, you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's way more affordable than in-person therapy. So Human Hope listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash human hope. That is B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash human hope. I'll see you guys over there. I love our next partner. They're a brand new partner here at Human Hope, Give Directly. Now, listen, this is what Give Directly is. It is so simple and brilliant. Give Directly is a nonprofit that lets you send money, cash, directly to people living in poverty with no strings attached. In the last decade, they have delivered over $550 million to over 1.2 million people living in poverty. Okay. And this is what I love about what they do. People in poverty are the experts on their own lives and their own needs. And what they're missing is money. 
No two people in poverty have the same needs. So why send them the same thing? When you give them cash, you entrust them to invest in what they need. Okay, that is what happens. So after you donate, Give Directly delivers your funds directly to someone in poverty. Research shows the positive impacts of cash. Hundreds of independent studies have shown that direct giving can have a positive impact on health, nutrition, income, education, and so much more. You may have grown up hearing that you can't just give money out to poor people, but it turns out that view is actually wrong. Head over to givedirectly.org slash hope. That's givedirectly.org slash hope and find out so much more about exactly how it is they're doing it. And listen to this. Your donation is going to be matched up to $5,000. That's right. $5,000 match. That's givedirectly.org slash hope. That's good. Um, okay. So let's, let's lean into maybe the different roles of, of parents. So um, some parents are listening to this. It may be just a single dad and they don't have um, a mother role in the home. Some people are listening to this and it's just a single mom and they don't have a father role in the home for their boy. Um, some, some may have both the father and the mother. And, you know, are there different um, things at play with a mom and with the dad when it comes to maybe pouring some of who they are into raising emotionally strong boys? Yes. A hundred percent. Yes. And I want to first say that in 25 years of doing this work, some of the most extraordinary kids I've had the privilege of knowing have been raised by single parents. Yeah. So I want every single parent listening to yes. hear me say that. And Round of applause yes. for single parents. And you know, one of the one of the great things for all the downsides of being this old, but one of the great things about being this old is that Carlos, I now do parent consultations uh-huh. with men who come in to talk about their kids uh-huh. who were boys I counseled. No way. Yes, when they're in middle school. And so wow. this happened two weeks ago. I sat with a man who is a remarkable father yeah. who I know from having intersected with him in a really painful chapter of his story, had a dad who was not invested in his life in any way. Wow. And so it's so fun that How I get to see that years full old? circle experience. <laughs> I feel it. I get to see that full circle experience of, oh my goodness, I know your story. Yeah. I know what you were missing. I know what you were wanting. I know what you didn't get yeah. in that space. And look at the redemption. Like, yeah. look at who you are. Like it, it's happened multiple times now that I just start weeping in the middle (laughs) of the session. Like I just go to tears because I can picture them as a 12 year old and then looking at them as an adult man. So that's not just speculation. Like that's confirmation. Yeah. And then secondly, I would want to say to your question, I do think there's some unique things. And, and I think for circumstances such as the ones we're discussing, I do challenge moms to think about what it would look like to pray in and usher in Uh other healthy adult male voices and vice versa for dads to do the same if a mom's not involved. Because I think there are some things that are unique to gender that I think boys experience and get differently. And so with moms, I talk about these three ideas in the chapter on moms of just what it looks like to be safe. Okay to let go and uh-huh. to stay steady. And I kind of define what each of those means over the course of a boy's, li- boy's life. And when he only gets like one of the three or uh-huh. two of the three, it's not, it's kind of like I served, I ate a meal and I didn't touch the vegetables or fruits right. and I only ate the meat. And yeah. so it's like, I need all of those yeah. things for nutritious meals. So, so good. what does it look like to offer all those? And with dads, I talk about emotion, connection, and validation and what those three things look like and, okay. and how boys again can experience those things with men who aren't their fathers. Yeah. 
And, yeah. and you and I both know, like, I've been fathered by my dad and I have been fathered by a lot of other men as well. Yeah, and absolutely. I'm so grateful for that. My dad's so grateful for that. Yes. And so it doesn't take away from that relationship. It's just a part of where I've gotten so much of what I need from yeah. community of men over the course yeah. of my life. How, um, okay. So I'm listening to this and I'm like, gosh, this is great. This is great. This is great. Like I, I'm a, I'll say, say I'm married and I'm, but just because you have a mother and a father at home does what I'm hearing you saying, it doesn't mean that, that there isn't another man or another woman that, that can speak into your kid's life. Absolutely. Talk, talk to us about maybe how to find those. Like, like how can we find people that are available to, uh, to do that? How can we trust people to be able to speak in our kids' lives? You know, I think it's vital. And in particular, as kids get close to adolescence, mm. Sissy and I talk so much in our work, in our writing, on the podcast about your kids having other trusted, healthy adult voices in their lives yeah. and how necessary that is. Because as kids move deeper into adolescence, our voice as parents starts to get quieter uh-huh. and the voice of their peers gets louder. And then yeah. the voice of other adults. Yeah. It's more intriguing. Yeah. And the tendency in those moments I find for parents, unless you know that and remind yourself of that, when our voice gets quieter, we talk louder and we talk more. Neither <laughs> of which I think is that effective, as opposed to what does it look like to pray that in? Yeah. And to believe and trust that God's going to provide that. Yeah. And I remember what it was like to pray that into my own kids' lives. And uh-huh. in that season, Carlos, I've laughed about this looking back. I would go, my, my boys, for example, had these, some amazing coaches and um, teachers who were really interested in them and invested in them. And I remember I would periodically go to Chipotle <laughs> yes. and I would walk in with a hundred dollar bill and I would say, give me 10, $10 gift cards. Okay. And I would keep them in my glove compartment and I would just hand them out on occasion to these amazing 20 something year old guys, you yeah. know, who are my son's teachers and coaches yeah. and just say, thank yeah. you for, because oh, so I sit around the dinner table and I hear them talk about you and things yeah. that you've said to them and they're paying so much attention to your voice. And I'm so grateful for oh, your voice right so now good. and go get a burrito on me, you know, because who doesn't love Chipotle? Yeah, and so exactly. I, I would just encourage parents to think about who are those people right now in your kid's life? Mm-hmm. What would it look like to help your kids find their way to more of those yeah. and to believe that if that's something I ask God to provide for my kids uh-huh. and he loves my kids more than I do, yeah. that he's going to help me and yeah. help them find their way to that. That's it. Well, I mean, th- I mean, there it is. It's like, um, he will provide. Somebody. Yes, he will. He will. You know, like it, it is, I, I tell people all the time, ask specific prayers and he'll give yeah. you specific answers. You know, he will. Um, that's so good. Um, gosh, I mean, I'm just thinking, I'm already just thinking of who I need to get this Chipotle gift card to because there's just so many, you know, I know. Um, we are, you know, my Lysiah is um, 16 and, and a lot of people have heard, I actually had Lysiah on the podcast. I was just me and him. He's actually been on a couple. Um, but w- when, when he was on it, uh, we talked, man, we talked a lot. I cried. I apologized to him on the mm-hmm. podcast. We got deep into some things and, um, and, but people were just so taken aback at his, um, his sensitivity and his, um, just ability to, to, he just has, he's so empathetic and he just is a big feeler. Um, I want to talk to, um, I want you to talk to some of the parents that have boys that are they're not they're not 
not showing emotion. They are showing a lot of emotion. And I think sometimes uh, as parents, we can get concerned. Um, I know I was at, at certain points of Losai's childhood where, you know, thank God I had you on speed dial because you would always talk me off the ledge and you're like, actually, he's actually more healthy than, you know, because he is feeling these things. So talk to us that some parents that maybe have some um, big feelers in th- that they're raising. And um, gosh, you gave Losai so many tools that I still watch him. at. So you gave him one at eight years old that at 16. Now uh, he, 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 he will pause. He will walk away. He will come back. And he's like, okay, I can talk about this now. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing, right? So talk to talk to some of the parents that may be worried that they're, maybe their kids are too emotional. Mm-hmm. I want to first say for any parent <laughs> listening who has an amazing kid like that, yeah. I want you to celebrate. That's right. And I want you to play the long game and imagine what that's going to look like on an adult man yes. as a husband and a father. Come and on. I think you are you and Heather are going to weep to watch that on him yeah. as he yeah. grows deeper and deeper into adulthood and all of what that will look like. And yes. those young men in my experience, again, getting to see the full circle experience uh-huh. make rock star husbands and fathers. That's awesome. And I think in this space, what I would want to encourage parents to do is call that out mm. as a superpower. Okay. Like in the book, I talk about naming it like a spidey sense. You know, like, you know how yes. Spider-Man walks in a room and he notices things other people don't notice. Like uh-huh. he picks up on things others don't. And that's uh-huh. what strengthens him yeah. to do the great work in this yeah. world that he does. Yeah. And you know, I, like Carlos, spidey sense. I know, call it out like a superhero power. And years ago, I don't know if you saw this movie or not. Did you ever see the Man of Steel movie? No. Okay, so... I would love for you to go back and watch it. So okay. it's like one of the origin stories where Heather, we get you hear to that? find I have to out. Watch a movie later today. He does. Okay, Heather, I'm assigning him homework, and it is where we get to see Superman growing into his powers. Oh wow! And so there's all these flashbacks uh-huh. from his boyhood through his adolescence, where yeah. he was coming to this place of awareness of I have these strengths and I don't know what to do with them. Yeah, which is so central, I think to the great question you're asking and and the way we could even frame that as parents. And there's this really powerful scene. I remember sitting in a theater, Carlos and I was weeping watching this because mm-hmm. it reminded me of so many boys I'd known yeah. who are gifted in the amazing way you described your incredible son. And there's this scene where he's in his classroom as an elementary school student and he looks up at his teacher and all of a sudden he can see straight through her. Like he realizes I have x-ray vision. (laughs) And then the kid next to him is tapping his pencil and all of a sudden it's like it's in surround sound and he realizes I can hear more. And so he becomes overwhelmed by Mm. this understanding that I have these gifts and it's overwhelming to carry this. He runs out of the classroom and he, runs down the hallway and hides in this janitor's closet and they end up having to call his mom to come to school because they can't get him out. Yeah. And she walks up to the door and she says, Clark, what's going on? Tell me what's going on. And he said, mom, sometimes the world's too big for me. Wow. Wow. And he's weeping and she said, let's make it smaller right now. And there's this beautiful scene of how she coaxes him out of Uh the the room. And I, I remember weeping because I thought, I've sat with so many remarkable young men who felt that like the world is too much in some moments because mm. they feel so much, they yeah. carry so much. And again, in ways that I believe will be a superhero power at some yeah. point. But as he was growing into those gifts, what we see in that story is there are times where it just pinned him to the floor uh. more than he could live out of the strength of that. And I think what a gift 
to hear you tell the story you just told that your yeah. son would get to sit in conversation with you and see his dad weep and yeah. see his dad apologize to see what those gifts look like yeah. on an adult man and the man he trusts the most in yeah. this world. And I oh. think that's the other thing I would want to challenge parents is don't just call it out, but let them see evidence of that. I don't think boys can see too sure. much of that, yeah. too much evidence. Yeah. Uh, just, I mean, I, just the scene that you're describing, you know, because all we do is celebrate Superman and celebrate it, all of his gifts that he uses to rescue. Um, but not knowing just how overwhelming that can be um, as you're growing into them. Absolutely. Gosh, I mean, God, I mean, it really is. It, it, uh, that's paradigm shifting. Um, this has been so good. Just so helpful. Uh, li- leave us with one or two practical things, like, like j- just some practical things that like, okay, podcast is going to end. I'm going to pull the minivan over, pick up my son from swim practice. What are some practical things uh, that really quickly um, before they go and buy the book, which every single person is going to do when they um, finish the podcast, uh, what are some practical things that they can do? I would say one would be when you just sit around the dinner table uh-huh. with boys you love, I want to challenge any parent, like look for opportunity where you could just fold in more emotional vocabulary. Okay. So rather than saying, yeah, my day was fine. Say, you know what? I felt embarrassed today. I had, I had to give a presentation to the board of directors and I didn't feel prepared. Or, you know what? I think I was short uh-huh. with a colleague and I want yeah. to circle back and check in. I feel sad about the fact that I didn't execute that in the way I wanted to. Yeah. Because when we go for those early pediatric visits uh-huh. with kids and the pediatrician's like, how many words is he saying? How many words is she right. saying? What we know, what research would tell us is girls tend to be saying twice as many words in those uh-huh. early visits. So if her general vocabulary is larger, her emotional vocabulary uh-huh. will be larger. So we've got to labor a little longer, I think, with boys. And that is a beginning place. I would say secondly, so I would challenge any parent listening to narrate your experience more. Yeah. Yeah. So I loved your example. I'm in the minivan. I'm driving him somewhere. Yeah. If you're running late uh-huh. and you're feeling that tension that we all feel as parents when we're late, yeah. we didn't leave early enough. Talk that out loud with kids, knowing that yeah. that's landing on them. Like, you know what? I feel tense. <clears throat> I wish we'd left a few minutes earlier. I'm a little worried we're going to get late. So at the next stoplight, I'm going to do a minute of deep breathing. Oh, or yeah. I'm going to turn on some soft music right now. I'm going to turn Carlos' podcast back on, and I want to hear that reminder that I need to hear again yeah. right now. Knowing that in those moments, kids are making connections. When they get to sit front row and watch the grownups they trust yep. the most in this world, doing the work of regulation in that way, like it's game changing. Do it in front of them. Do it in front of them. Do it in front of them. Ah, this is so good. Um, You are a, uh, we we are now taking a sharp left turn towards the end of this conversation. And I just want to ask you about your favorite taco at Ladybird Taco, because here's, here's the deal. I've seen, I've actually seen you in there multiple times. You've been deep in conversations with people and I'm like, David Thomas loves him some Ladybird Taco. Ladybird Taco here in Nashville, Tennessee. I would like to say that I think that I'm the mayor of Ladybird because I'm there a lot, but I actually may be the vice mayor because I feel like you are there all the time. Tell us about your love for Ladybird Taco and then tell the listeners when they come to Nashville, what tacos should they order? Okay. I do love Ladybird. <laughs> I can tell you off and I go. And the, when they first opened, I remember going like week two and two of the folks behind the camera were like, David. And my yeah. wife is like, 
they know your name already? How much have you been here? It's amazing. I live within walking distance, oh, which has do? been the yes. best and worst thing right. that has happened to me, really, because I eat awesome. more than I need to. But I love the people who started that. I love yes. that place. Yes, yes. And I would say you could never go wrong if you want a breakfast taco with a number three, just yeah. my all-time favorite, and, and just some basic egg, bacon, and potato. Okay. And then you doctor that up and, and get as fancy or as not fancy as you want to. <laughs> And number eight and 12 are going to be my favorites Ooh, for the lunch tacos. I love number eight. And I, me too. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And so if I good. could have a side of their guacamole to go with that whole Let's operation. Go. Can we go. go right now? Let's go right now. Let's go right now. <laughs> Out of the three salsas, they've got the red, they've got the green, and then they've got like the creamy, super spicy. Which is which incredible. one? Which is the one you probably I'm going to go with the red because the super spicy may revisit me oh. sooner than I'd want it to. <laughs> <laughs> Knowing that you're that you're now seeing kids of kids that you've seen, yes, I understand that our gastrointestinal issues just get to lean a little bit different as we get older. It as we will. climb these, it will. Climb these ranks, David. Thanks so much for hanging out today on Human yeah. Hope. You've been a gift, and you are a gift. Well, I would sit down in conversation with you anytime, and I don't want to miss an opportunity to say you, my friend, are doing such good work in oh. this world. It's it is a joy to know you. Thanks. I mean that. And I could not be more thankful for your voice in this world. Oh, thanks so much. Love you, buddy. You too. Lord have mercy. Thank you, Mr. David Thomas. How, how good was that? Oh my gosh. Listen, I know you're jealous of the fact that I got that man's number on speed dial in my pocket because I've needed it. Okay, listen, if, if, if there's anything you take away from this, it's that we need to kind of redefine what it looks like to raise emotionally strong boys. And David can help us. Guys, I would love for you guys to head over to um, Amazon and pick up a copy of his book, Raising Emotionally Strong Boys. And he also has a workbook called Strong and Smart that goes along with it for your kids. Thank you, David, so much for everything you've been to my family. And thank you for pouring into the human hope for media as well. Fam, I'm going to be back next week. I'm going to be back next week with another episode. How did my my B just end up a double B? Who knows? Um, but I'll be back next week. Not really, but kind of. I mean, I won't be back, but I will be back on here in your ears. Love you guys, and I'll see you next Thursday.